Well, Brent is gay, and Kaylin's gay, and Clark is gay, and Ryan's gay, and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Welcome to another Homo Superior Creator Crush. I'm Brent Wingate, and co-hosting with me today is our very own Scream Queen, Ryan Kroll. Hi, and Ryan. Hi. <laughs> Creator Crush is an interview series where we chat with our favorite comic book creators, learning more about their work, their thoughts on the industry, and what makes them so darn special. Today, we have Stephanie Renee Williams. She is a comic writer and editor who has worked on storylines for the X-Men team that never was in X-Men Unlimited. She created the Bicon, Logan Lewis, who took on the mantle of Nightshade for Marvel Voices Pride 2023 and an Infinity comic of the same name. She's written Nubia storylines for DC Comics, as well as a history of some of DC's best forgotten characters. And if that's not enough, she also writes a webcomic about the befuddling struggles of parenthood in Parenthood Activate and a webcomic about pop culture figures in their time between the lines called But What If Though? She was recently on a FlameCon panel hosted by Gray Malkin Lane, uh, judging various fashion choices of mutants. And coming out February 6th, 2024, is her graphic novel, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur Wreck and Roll. Stephanie, thank you so much for being here. Yes, thank you. Thank you for such thank an you. illustrious, um, you know, intro. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, well, it's well, easy to do. We're excited to have you. So we like to start it off with uh, what your secret origin is into comics and just how you got into writing in general and sort of what, how how you're here now and so fabulous. Oh, all right. Yeah, how will... did you end up here? How did you get yeah, to here? Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So way back in the 1900s, as my <laughs> son oh my likes God. to say, right? Are you an eternal? <laughs> <laughs> I might be. Um, I got into comics uh via arcade games, uh, very specifically arcade game at the laundromat. There was the amazing Marvel versus Capcom. And I think I probably pissed the owner off, always using Storm and hearing Typhoon repeatedly. Typhoon. So that was yeah, that that you know, when you can I ask you a quick question? When you sure. hear I'm gonna take you for a ride. Oh, does that does that bring back all memories? Like nobody... it does. Um, <laughs> actually, now have my child saying that because he would hear me <laughs> sing like randomly singing that while washing the dishes. Like, what is that from? And I was like, oh, <laughs> let's go on a journey. So, yes, um, it brings me immense joy and also a lot of irritation as well. <laughs> uh, but, but that was like the first time I was introduced to comic characters in general. And then, of course, you know, X Men, the animated series, Spider Man, all whatever's on Fox Kids. That's what I was watching. And actually, pick up a comic book until I went to the thrift store. So, back when you could go to a thrift store and actually find things that were priced the way that they should be, um, you could also find comics. And I found, I think it was Avengers. 361 or 371 and there's a love triangle going on between Cersei the Black Knight and um Crystal mm. and I was like oh my god this is like this is like grandma's stories mom and grandma's stories that they watch so young and the restless the bold and the beautiful um and all of those and I was like oh well same thing they just got on tights and they're saving the world so that was kind of how I fell in love with comics and uh, from there Archie is what was like my mainstay for a very long time. And then I finally really got into Marvel and DC. Now, how did I get into writing comics? I don't know. 
Um, no, I oh, do cool. know, but it also kind of feels like <laughs> just interview kinda, over. It just all, yeah, like <laughs> it all just kind of happened. Um, so as you all possibly know, a lot of um, I don't know, I kind of built my following on Twitter with memes that I would do from the X Men mm-hmm. animated series and also the Justice They're very League. Funny. Thank you. And um, that's kind of where I think I cut my teeth as far as getting practice on like what it would be to kind of write a comic Uh, instead of explaining what the panels were, I was using what I was given and then writing stories around that. And um, from that and just writing for a sci-fi wire uh, and just kind of doing like those character deep dives. Finally, I was like, hey, maybe, I don't know, maybe you could write your own comics. Like you, it, it could work. Like maybe let's see. So uh House of X, Powers of X, when that director's cut came out, I think Jonathan Hickman's uh, scripts were in the back of those. So I looked at that, kind of studied them, and and I guess that's kind of how I figured out how to like put together a comic script. Um, I didn't do exactly what he did. I just kind of made it into my own. And next thing I knew, hearing an activate came to be. But what if though, Living Heroes and uh, Marvel did not. Um, it hit me with a cease and desist with Living Heroes. Instead, um, editor reached out to me and I did, uh, what was it? Um, uh, Marvel Voices Legacy. Uh, and I wrote the yeah. Monica Rambo story. And then the next thing I knew, I'm here with talking to you all because apparently I did something right. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. and uh, I've been writing comics ever since. And that was back in 20... Oof, I think 2019 is when I first, when Parenthood Activate came to be. Living Heroes is so fun. Thank you. I, it's uh, I love it so much. Also, it's the team that you kind of want to hang out with. Mm-hmm. It's in the vein of Living Single. It's just it's so fun. It's so interesting. Um, I have um a question. So mm-hmm. you work with a lot of uh, you like to compare a lot of characters. In an interview that you did, you said you like to compare characters to something that people relate to. So like Real Housewives, soap opera, something like that. I know you've gotten this question before, but I want to ask again because I love it. What would be your Real Housewives team, core Mm -hmm. group, I should say, who would be the friends of? And then if you want, if you feel inclined to tell me maybe a story arc and then, you know, a city. Give me a city, too. It can be Marvel. It could be anything. Just a fun. Ryan, fi- uh, Ryan, it's a classic question. I think she knows. <laughs> no, no. Um, <laughs> Give me everything. She's getting this all the time. <laughs> this is so what I ask at, all my friends. So in exact city, I'm not sure because <laughs> mm-hmm. the different characters, they were from all over. But yeah. so uh, Janet, Miss Wasp is in it because we know that she tells the truth when she gets too much liquor. She's the reason yeah, she why, um, you know, yeah, M House, I mean, the, the House of M even came to be because she spilled uh, tea that she wasn't supposed to to Wanda. So she's there. Uh, Storm is there, of course, because you can't have, you cannot have Storm there. Um, just simply to kind of be, I don't know, like this hybrid of like a, a Phaedra and a Nini Leaks, um, yeah. just kind of just there uh, getting on everyone's nerves. And uh, let's see, Mystique has to be there mm-hmm. uh, for obvious reasons. Um, who else? Mystique would be a monster because she would walk around the show <laughs> pretending to be the other housewives. Yes. <laughs> just and to you, create and you, drama. And you need that messiness. Yes. Um, and also they would be like 
was that you or was that mystique? Like they would always freak out. They would have no freaking idea. And I love that. That would be fun. That and I can also picture like her confessionals also being funny in that way too, because she <laughs> is impersonating people in them. Uh, oh, yeah. So Mystique's there. Uh, Carol Danvers is there. Monica oh, Rambeau is also there. Um, who? So Charles Xavier is there, even though technically, so he is who Storm. So like the way that Nini felt towards, um, uh, who was it? Uh, oh yes, Cynthia's husband. Right, yeah. um, it's like staying in women's business. Yeah, mm-hmm. of course they, we gotta have jeans. You should stay out of women's business. Is what yes, you should do. yeah, <laughs> yes. Exactly. But that's what he's there for. That, um, Jean Grey, of course, is there because dramatics, and it's like, what is your storyline this year, girl? And she, and, and it's a funeral. It's always a funeral, right? It's always a funeral, and she can never accept that yeah. uh, something's her fault. Yes. <laughs> Instead ever. of her death, she's just like off a season and then back a season. They're like, I thought you were dead. Like it's she's like, I'm the Phoenix now. What? <laughs> would it, <laughs> big big question for you? Would Rogue be in there now that Carol's in there? Is it or is oh, it like absolutely okay. right? Because if anything, that's a storyline that we carry for two to three seasons. Um, so <laughs> yeah. um Don't she's absolutely there. And then we kind of have some, you know ones that kind of pop up but they're not part of the main cast so that would be like your she-hulk um we would even maybe get crystal there because you're gonna have some little royalty um and also she's always creeping with someone um in fact i would like uh for her to do the whole thing where she was cheating on quicksilver with uh norm the real estate agent which is a thing that really (laughs) did happen um so that could be the whole um that could be the, a whole storyline. So those are kind of like off the top who I need to be present. I love it. Thank you so yeah. much. Of course. Um, important issues is what we cover on this. Yes. Um, <laughs> so uh, so the X-Men refer to themselves as a family all the time, as a mom and writer of two ongoing web comics, Parenthood Activate and But What If Though. What is a family dynamic, dynamic that you would want to see potentially in the X-Men universe that we haven't seen before? Ooh, that is a good one. And I almost don't know if I want to share it because it's something that I might be <laughs> actively trying to. To, pitch, <laughs> to pitch. But um, I'll go with one that already exists. And I've always wanted to kind of have Rogue, of course, Mystique and Nightcrawler. And I know that there's an issue that just came out that mm-hmm. kind of retcons a origin. I won't spoil it. But yeah, if you're, um, if you're listening to this episode, something spicy just happened. Uh, <laughs> Wednesday the 29th yes and I um I want them to like I don't know like go on some type of adventure together and like deal and hash out these issues that they have um very kind of similar similar to the family cynic and what I did with that like I I would like to get into that with um Rogue Mystique and Nightcrawler uh so them traveling going on vacation or whatever it is like you know, let's get into some family drama. Like, why did you throw this baby off a cliff? And honestly, like all <laughs> children are time displaced or they turn into dragons in Shogo's case. Like they're just all crazy all the time. But and Ryan, like- that's because that <laughs> speaks to the human experience. We're all time displaced or we're all okay. dragons in an alternate. I was a dragon. Arthurian up. reality. <laughs> you know this about us. That's, that's what Shakespeare true. wrote about. <laughs> Um, 
changing changing um topics a little bit um in a re in an article that you wrote called the marvelous butts of marvel comics you compared hank mccoy peter parker reed richards hulk and more about their juicy cabooses in comics are there any other male identifying characters represented in comics currently that you would like to see show a little more panel time, if you know what I mean? <laughs> so not many people know this and maybe they're starting to catch on, but <laughs> I really have a thing for big body villains. And by that, I mean your saber tooth, your mm. juggernaut, um, Magneto in um what uh, it was a comic series where he like he is big in this in a very <laughs> delicious way um it's a i think storm and them had to get together to, like find him it's the magipor or something like that i i am blanking on this but like he's really yeah. thick in this um oh, so strong guy uh so these villains uh apocalypse sometimes they're good guys but like these guys that are just massive um, I need them to all get together and like do very similar to Marvel Divas. I want to have like the male version of that mm -hmm. and um, maybe it's Bad Boys Club or something to that effect. Um, but I need that and I need as many butt shots as possible because sure, women sometimes over-sexualized in comics all day long. Yes. <laughs> However, in the 90s, the men were getting it too. Like, I, there's no reason why um, Puck's butt from Alpha Flight should have been like his butt is almost bigger than him. And Puck has been stacking up recently in the <laughs> Alpha Flight storyline. Oh yeah, whoa! That mustache. Whoa. And he he's didn't need basically that just a, He's a mustache and a butt at this point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it, it looks so great. adorable. Yeah. Um. So let's uh let's get into a game. <clears throat> So as the author on the book of DC's Weirdos, Gremlins, and Unknown Metahumans titled Strange and Unsung, All-Stars of the DC Multiverse, a visual encyclopedia, Stephanie, we wanted to play a game where the characters of the DC universe are in your class, and you noticed a few were falling behind. So we're giving you an opportunity to fix these characters in a game we're calling Strange Kid in the Back of the Class. Okay. So. We're going to give you, uh, I'm going to name a character and you're going to give them a grade on a letter scale. So A to F. And then we'd like to hear what advice you'd give them to help them on their way a little bit more if they need it. Okay. Uh, so let's start off with one who made an appearance in the Suicide Squad film uh, and shows up early in your book. Arms fall off guy. He's a man who lives up to his name and then some, his arms and legs come off. How's he doing? Ooh, he's he's getting a D. Mm. Um, now what he could do to fix that? Um, hey babe, I need you to learn to do some things with those things that are falling off. So I don't know. Is there only fans in your future? Possibly. Oh, I love that. But there's some way that you can market that because the way it stands right now, it's not really doing a lot. So that could be fun though. Yeah. The only fans of like all of his parts in a different room. All at once, like what's going on? That could mm -hmm. be five webcams cool. going constantly. <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely, attachments and all that. <laughs> uh, so uh, the next one is Red Tornado. No, not the android you're thinking of, but instead the forceful mother, Ma Hunkle. Mm -hmm. Ma is getting an A plus, uh, and she, 
mine's getting an A plus because um the girls tried to tell her that no 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 you can't be a housewife and also be a superhero and she said I'm sorry to break it to you but you absolutely can and I'm not sure what the guys in the tights are telling you but you all are not living up to your expectations so follow me if you want to be free so what was <laughs> what was do you know the the reason for this choice because I, I mean I think I've you know we've all heard yeah. of Red Tornado but not the original character that it was uh, weirdly adapted from. So uh, my uncle, uh, basically the reason why she comes into being a superhero because the police weren't doing their job. Uh, So her family ran the store. uh, Some folks came in to try to like, uh, I think there was like a mob situation going on. So it was like, hey, you want protection? Then you got to pay us X, Y, and Z. And my uncle was like, no, I'm not doing that. And she roughed the guy up. And from there, uh, she decided to take matters into her own head. I think either one of her children or somebody gets kidnapped. And my uncle is not waking, waiting on the police to do their job. And she goes and takes care of it. Um, so it'd be nice if they bring her, you know, to uh, the forefront these days. Because I think it, she could really have a great story. I mean, they already had her niece or no, not her niece, or her great granddaughter in what was that movie with the rock he's very bald in it uh black adam <laughs> yes black adam. Gonna have to be yes. i think that. that i mean it didn't narrow <laughs> right? it down it didn't it at a, all that was a non-excluding uh comment because <laughs> I, I just watched san andreas the other day too and I, I don't mean that as a disparaging mark against the the rock because um i, I will if his movies are on i'll watch them like rampage i think i might be the number three fan is and he a, the same in every movie? Yes. Will I watch it? Yes. Yeah. I love it so much. Yeah. I know I'm what sure you know you what you're getting. Ram- <laughs> did you love Rampage because it was an adaptation of the games you were playing in a laundromat? <laughs> yes, I did. And it's so funny that the first, the opening, um, I'm like, I actually want this movie. Everything else y'all could have kept, but whatever was going on in space, I want that movie. So yeah. hey, Rampage producers, whatever. If you're listening to this podcast, let me write the prequel because that you you all were cooking with that. Give it to her already. It, so it must be fun to do the research on these characters, right? Like mm-hmm. that process must have just been like buck wild. Like it must have just been so weird. Like trying to piece all of their backstories together because they're it so was, crazy. It was insane because like with DC, <laughs> the cos. The cosmic side of DC almost ran me crazy, Um, but in a good way, because there's so much detail uh, for uh, when once you start getting into the Legion of Superheroes and like all of these weirdos that come from um, these planets who are like, hey, um, on my planet, I'm just normal. But here I'm amazing. And it's like, oh, you might be, but probably not because the folks that were running the Legion of Superheroes were cutting them up. It was kind of like early Tyra Banks and you got a little bit of that. It was a lot of, you know, you're you're also dancing for your life. So you also kind of have some, um, you know, uh, some drag going on as well, which is really crazy. Like a little right. RuPaul moment here and there. Yeah. So like dance for your life. So, um, but like the details that went into the planets and just, uh everything from the atmosphere to the customs and all of that. And just kind of keeping that in mind when writing about some of these characters was just a lot. Um, Brother Power was a character who I just assumed was black. And then when I found out, I was like, no, it's a rag doll. I was like, oh, well, that's what I get <laughs> well, for judging. <laughs> <laughs> but, but my name, um, 
which is still very interesting character but um magpie was another one um she was a kleptomaniac which is kind of disparaging to those birds because they don't actually don't steal um that's as a lie that was that's propaganda that was put out there against them um so she's there with her crazy hair and is a batman and superman villain yeah they got some wild ones that what uh what what would you give the team the force of july uh a team of patriotic villains (laughs) f for fourth yeah (laughs) they get an f because fourth of july sale in old navy that is that is their inspiration um 100 we're talking about dollar flip-flops all of that um they get an f now what could they do to fix that i don't know it's it's a it's a vote blue no matter who scenarios and then nobody's winning in that way i feel like that's a team that for sure is like uh oh they're the group project and they always do it together but none Mm -hmm. of them are actually doing the work no they also get an f um because everyone shows up and no one did any and it did anything they just thought that you know oh so-and-so's got that and it's like okay well so-and-so's got that all right when they show up and nothing how so, do you feel about one that I loved the most was the blue snowman oh, which yes. happened to be a snow woman mm-hmm. and they just didn't acknowledge it like ever. No. Um, and I think that was a case of trying to keep things gender neutral. Um, there was a period of time that um, I was noticing with the silver age comics where I'm like, we're going to be edgy and <laughs> you think it's a man, but it's not a man. It's a woman. We're paying it. We're, we're playing it to these gender norms. Like, oh, you're really not, but I'll, I'll give it to you all. Be delusional in that way. But I thought that she was really interesting. In fact, uh, for the Wonder Woman story that I wrote for the Stanley 100 um, anniversary uh, book where we had to do his version of the Justice League, I repurposed that character and it was like, all right, we know from Jump that she's a woman um, and she's a mom who just got fired and now she's uh, wreaking havoc on everything. She doesn't have healthcare and she can't afford Christmas presents. So still very similar to what this blue snowman had going on but i thought she was an interesting character totally i love the the writing style choice to say um yeah we've got a prophecy where no man can kill the person oh we'll just make the character a woman and that will don't worry that'll solve the problem yeah why you guys can't just copy paste he and she for characters that's not that's not writing no and that's not how that works at all but Hey. Speaking of generic um he she uh Spider Girl was also in the book, which is very prominent in the Marvel universe. What was that what was that journey like? Obviously, just having that sort of a weird crossover that's not one, but it is. Um, it was a realization that um, you know, as much as Marvel fanatics and DC fanatics sometimes go at it and it's like if only you all truly understand understood like how connected a lot of these worlds are um and sometimes it's very basic as sharing names so when I finally got to her I kept trying to remember I'm like reminding myself like oh wait no 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 it's her hair that's that's why they're calling her spider girl doesn't make any sense but that's what they want <laughs> there's only so many animal-based people you could have this uh, <laughs> crossover yeah what yeah. uh what grade do you give her um she gets a c i yeah. mean it's having power hair-based powers is one that in theory sounds great but 
Not really, because, you know, you got Medusa who has that amazing, amazing hair, but the amount of maintenance that it probably takes. Mm. Um, I'm just thinking of like my wash days and how long sometimes it takes me to tangle my hair. I can only imagine how long Spider-Girl, Medusa, all of these characters are just suffering. So a C and it's really for the effort. Yeah. All right. So we'll do one more. Uh, Skeets. The sarcastic robotic orb sidekick to Booster Gold. How's he doing? What grades he got? Oh, he gets an A plus because he has to deal with Booster Gold. Yeah. Um, you know, you're doing all of this work in this. No offense, this white guy is getting all the praise for it. Um, you know, I can I get his skeets, and it's very frustrating sometimes, but like you get that's just off of I get it. I understand if you ever decide that there is going to be a villain, a kind of like AI uprising, just I'm, I'm on your time. I'm on your team. Yeah, Skeets, Skeets you can go out on your own. Yeah. Booster Gold's superpower is failing up. So you do not need him. No. So on our podcast, we talk a lot about what we call gremlin characters. They're mm-hmm. almost always in the background. They rarely feature, uh, they're not featured often. And they usually like get a line or two, uh, but you like find people who are just devoted to that character. And I'm curious, do you have any theories why fans latch onto these gremlins and like what inspires such devotion? So I think it's because you end up creating these stories for them. Like, so between the panels is what I like to call it. Cause I've done this a lot for a lot of the black superhero ones that I like, because for a long time, a lot of them didn't have a lot of meat to their story. So you just end up coming up with stories for them. Um, I think that's it. It, it, it allows sometimes their self insert for you because again, like they're malleable. Uh, they don't have much more than a line. So like you can kind of, you know, make up what what it is that they're doing or what else they could be doing um so they can stick around so i think that's it um and i think they're just fun because they're weird right like you can take the, all the risks you can with them because all they're saying is one thing yeah yeah and they're and also they, look crazy, they, they have mm-hmm. mystery so they can't like disappoint mm-hmm. you either like, no th- there's nothing that glob herman's gonna do that makes me feel sad no (laughs) you have any favorite uh uh gremlin characters from dc or marvel that you're like obsessed with even if they're barely there do i have any um none that i can think of off the top of my head i am pretty sure some exist um and i'm i'm blanking right now because i've been put on the spot but none that i can i can exactly think of actually you know what no but she had more to say though no. <laughs> well, who, who was it? Who was in your mind? I was actually going to say Dr. Claire Foster. Um, and she's in that book, but she's a psychiatrist that Superman and also um, Starfire go to. Mm-hmm. And she's only appeared in like a handful of issues. But I was like, man, what like what does a series look like for you where you're just having superheroes come talk on, like on your couch telling you all these horrific things that they've done or they thought about? what are you like what are you doing when you get off work girl like what are you drinking um like who are you telling anybody this because i know you're not supposed to but like i'm sorry if superman comes to tell me that hey um i think i might be being a little racist and lois told me that i wasn't i'm telling somebody that story that's a good book that's also (laughs) that actually really happened and it is a hilarious 
not supposed to be, but it was funny to me, an unintentionally <laughs> funny issue. Because um, there's also a character named Muhammad X that pops up in that book. Wow, I love comics. Yeah, <laughs> it's always an interesting window. It's a cute little vignette into every problem in American society. Is speaking of weird characters, let's get into the X Men. Um, we have a fan question, um, from Alan the Sex Chaplain. Is that did I say that right? Alan the Sex Sex Chaplain, sure. I love y'all in these names, yeah. They're Buck Wild. I think I even um tried to pronounce that before. Um, okay, so the question is if you could write a solo, uh, write any solo for three X Men. Who would you choose? What are three X-Men that you're willing would love to get your hands on and write a solo for? Okay, and if there's spoilers all... and you're gonna release reveal information here on the podcast now, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> You'll tell us all futures projects you're working on. <laughs> okay. So quite obviously, Storm aside. So, like with that knowledge, let me give you three more. Um, I'm sorry, I'm obsessed with strong guy. I don't know why. It's something about that little tuff okay. of hair up top. Um, but <laughs> I just, he just seems like a really fun guy. Um, so him, um, of course, I would love to write again, Sabretooth. Mm. Um, I just, I just need it. And then as a third, um, hmm, give me a moment because again, I've been put on the spot and like any <laughs> other time perfect. I could like, yeah. Um, I mean, oh I gosh. love the idea of a strong guy, fun guy storyline you know um, like and, I, yeah and he's had a, a couple years that it's been tough for him so i'd love to see him get back to his roots and stuff like that yeah and have a little fun um i'm trying to think of another one and maybe because i'm thinking too hard and trying to be off the wall here that's probably why i'm colossus um and the reason why, again, I have an affinity for these big, these big guys. The big I love it. I yeah. really do. Um, but I kind of want him to go on an eat, pray, love journey. Um, I really loved his time in the outback, and he's like painting. Um, and I think he's painting just <laughs> women willingly getting naked for him because he is this artiste. Is just yeah, because he's an artist. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, yeah. he's an artist. It's um, not because of that. Yeah, you no, know, it's not because of that. <laughs> Um, but I would love your to write so good. Oh no, you I love your art. <laughs> but I would love for um it's kind of to be the story where he um he gets mixed up with some shady art dealers or something like that, and then <laughs> it just goes it just goes south. So very unserious stories, but because like for strong guy, and I have so like told editors this, like I want strong guy to run a cruise, like a, just a cruise ship strong guy adventure strong guy travels whatever it is i don't care but i just see him as like this this really eclectic um funny um cruise ship like give me jungle cruise with strong guy mm, love <laughs> that'd be so fun um yeah i can see him running some sort of programs on the ship being like everyone why don't we do this it's just like weightlifting you're like that's not what we do on cruise. <laughs> we're here to relax and he's like yeah relax by doing slightly lighter weights <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so you you recently wrote uh with c fox uh x-men unlimited series 101 through 105 where you you uh basically did some stories before the infamous hellfire gala that get R.I.P. May they rest. Um, 
uh, that happened where you told multiple stories featuring a bunch of these these new characters. Was there one that stood out to you or is there one that you would have loved to save and potentially be on the current X-Men team? All of them, very clearly. Because uh, when I found out, because I knew well before you all did, of course, that they were going to die. I was like, damn, this, that is quite terrible. But I'm not going to lie. Um, Jubilee pointing and saying, oh, look, a star. And then, yeah, that, I don't think that was supposed to be funny, but it was kind of unfortunately comical because like, what the hell? Um, But the character that, I don't know, like I just was like, Steve, please move Frenzy. Um, And Steve fortunately was like, yes, um, have a way with Frenzy Um, because she's a character that I loved ever since X Factor, even though she was like a, I don't know, villain for hire junkie, which man, the 90s you gotta love them um just coming out of that reagan era just everybody's on drugs so anyway i always that was a character i always loved and she's one that i don't know didn't really have a lot of moments where she was able to be soft so to give her that and kind of be able to lean into my love of like romance comedy i mean romance genre in general uh was something i really loved and also jubilee and her being a student but now being a teacher um, something that I really love. So um, those were the one. And the Cannonball, because who doesn't love Cannonball? Mm-hmm. Was it, is that process uh, interesting to do? Obviously, you, mm-hmm. you know where a lot of these characters are going to end up. But yeah. knowing that <laughs> it's, a bit, it's a very dark future for them, is that what what is that process like going forward? Like when you know they're basically about to be murdered or, so, or something to that effect? What is that? Oh. It's great um, because, you know, because, hey, we don't have to take the heat for that. Um, Jerry did. Right. So it's like, all right. So then how do we make this even more tragic uh, and make (laughs) folks wish that um, they were still alive? So, like, let's really lean into, you know, reasons other than their powers as to why they would be picked for this team. Um, So let's give them their shiny moment before he kills them terribly. You're Uh, going to make them the most honorable, sweet. Mm -hmm wonderful family but like the best people in the they, entire so they, in the I savage land they find a dinosaur that they name jerry and then just say we love you so much you, you're just the best <laughs> yeah <laughs> we love you jerry <laughs> so i mean in a very evil way um i was like okay well that's cool then let's let's really tug at these heartstrings because people are going to be utterly destroyed when they are also destroyed mm-hmm. man I, it was really hard being online too and just seeing how hype folks were for like this this group and this team and everything and just knowing that yeah they're not they're not gonna make it y'all even the guy who won he's also not gonna I make know it. jugs yeah it's yeah. it's it's crazy because they just kept showing that panel of all of the body parts after going week. all over the place. Like whoa like Game of Thrones happened once but they're like put it on billboards. Yes. They like did it from different angles. It was wild. Yeah. They yeah. really laid into them. <laughs> they did. I'm like, is that a skeleton? Like, why am I seeing half a prodigy's body? Like, what is going on? So, Dazzler um, back Dazzler's backbone was everywhere. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it was it was a fun time because I'm we didn't kill him. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So I'd love to talk about um your work with Nubia. Mm-hmm. Um for people who don't know who this character is, 
Can you kind of give a description of what they're all about? Yes. Um, so I'm going to do the spiel that I do at comic conventions because you better believe I'm answering this every eight seconds. But <laughs> Nubia, she was first introduced in Wonder Woman 203 back in 1973. And um, she shows up on Themyscira challenging Diana for the crown or the mantle of Wonder Woman because uh, she's been with uh, Mars all this time because he like when those babies were done, like the clay babies when they got out of the oven. Um, and Apollo put them into their bassinets. Uh, he came and stole her in the middle of the night and raised her as his um, kind of like his little avatar. Um, so she shows up, they fight a little bit, Nubia bests her and then is like, okay, we'll watch her back because I'll be back. And then she finally does come back and they work together uh, because Diana's like, hey, um, this guy, he actually, this God um, means you, he doesn't mean you well. Um, so they defeat Mars together. Uh, the Nubia disappears. She doesn't appear again until I think one uh, Supergirl nine. She's comatose the whole time. And then a few more appearances in the 90s. She comes up from the basement. Someone kills her man and she's angry and she mm. comes up and helps Diana in Vegas. And a few more appearances in 2020, uh, in the 20s, um, so or 200s or 2000s or whatever my son says. But um, <laughs> There wasn't much about her at the time. So um, when it came to trying to figure out who Nubia would be, um, I wanted or we wanted her uh, work to be something that did not rely on her, um, her proximity to Diana. She's her own character. She's her own woman. Uh, so I went to George Perez's run. And I really love the way that he presented the Amazons. Uh, there is a page that I always go back to um, I think it's like issue 14 or 15, but Diana goes to Doom's doorway and Hippolyta is like really concerned for her daughter. So she wants to go after her and Philippus, um, who is her, um, you know, her general, her right hand woman is like, no, you're not going back behind there. Uh, so they fight and they fight uh, not because they want to, but because they're both dedicated to. Uh, their duties. So for Hippolyta, it's her uh, as her as a mother, and then for Philippus, it's as someone who needs to keep the queen safe. Um, so Hippolyta, unfortunately, bests Philippus, and like as Philippus is like comatose, she's like, "I am so sorry. I hope you forgive me." Um, and from that, I took it as the Amazons are women who can be very violent; like they can get things done. But it's something that they resort to as a last stand. Like that's something that they're not trying to try. They're always leading in love, sometimes leading with their fists, but also in love. So um, that's kind of how I, I thought of just Nubia and the Amazons in general. So Nubia is somebody who will lead with love, but also her fist if she needs to. Um, so in that way, I was like, okay, she is representative of where Diana comes from as well. So if you can understand the Amazons in general, then you can get a better understanding of Nubia and also Diana. So that's just kind of where that came. So she's a queen who's willing to listen until she, within reason, right? So that's why she has like the, the staff of understanding and she kind of handles things the way that she does with Medusa um, cause that was also important too, to kind of show that, um, up until that time she had been champion of doom's doorway, then she becomes queen. So 
from somebody who goes from, you know, having to survive a doom throwaway, which is being very physical. What does that look like now that she's queen and she has to kind of lead with her head and not just, you know, you can't punch everybody. I mean, you can punch everybody, but that doesn't really make you a really great leader, does it? No. Well, at least to me, it doesn't. Well, with the staff of understanding, is that a creation fully of your own? Because mm-hmm. I love it as a parallel weapon yeah. because so many weapons are just, they're cursed and they're awful or they like grant you power, but it's at a terrible price. And the staff of understanding is this kind of beautiful item that, you know, it could theoretically hurt you, but it mm-hmm. really has a much more important benefit outside of being a physical tool. Yeah, so um, we so Vita and I kind of got together and we're trying to think of what would be a comparable weapon to um, the Lasso of Truth. And that's kind of how the staff came to be because it's a creation of love. Again, um, that's kind of, again, how I think of the Amazon. So Io is the one who makes the staff for Nubia um, and she makes it for her love out of Nubia. Like this is something that she felt fully represented this woman that she loved. Uh, so that is just kind of how that came to be. And again, thinking of the lasso of truth, uh, sometimes truth can be subjective. Um, so thinking of the last, I mean, the staff of understanding, it's, you know, maybe a considering what is given um, or the information before her and then trying to make the best decision from there. So it was either, you know, letting you go or whooping your ass, either one. <laughs> one thing we talk a lot about on our podcast is the nature of canon and what audiences think is important and not. And Jonathan Hickman did, you know, that panel for like the 60th anniversary of the X-Men. And he talked about, can't what he thought of as canon which is basically that which fans remember i'm curious what you think about canon maintaining it and you know how you feel now that you're adding to it uh so kind of similar to jonathan hickman um i will say that i feel like canon is something that is can be malleable right because if we're thinking of superheroes or just very specifically american uh, comics and superheroes and stuff um they're the myths and uh if i think of old stories of like greek gods and um you know paul bunyan or whatever you know i think those are things that are always constantly changing as we as as time changes you got to tell these stories in a way that maybe is a more relatable to the experiences of today so i think canon is something that can change um, if you keep the foundations of or the core of whatever that is for that character. But I think it's something that can change. And sometimes it needs to change. Sometimes things need to be retconned just because whatever this is is no longer tree, true. Or it was just really, really racist or sexist <laughs> or whatever these isms, right? Oh. Um, so it needs to change a little bit. Um, it's fiction, right? That's the other thing too. Um, no one's gonna like we're not gonna get no one well it would be nice if we get all get universal health care if you know supermans can stay the same and never yeah. change but like that's not gonna have any barriers or anything um so to john the hickman's point if it's something that fans can remember then yeah that that's that's canon but if it's something that people forget then uh, kind of like the the gods are when people aren't you know um 
remembering them, worshiping them, they disappear. And that's kind of how canon is. But unless you do something and then you have like two people who are like, no, that's that's not how that went. It's like, but you're the only two who remember. Move. Let's get something out here that people actually will remember and um, kind of makes sense for the character and also the time. Well, so with specific examples in your work, in Nubia, you've got Medusa. And then in the Nightshade Unlimited uh, with Logan Lewis, you have Modam, mm-hmm. the mentally organized or mental organism designed for aggressive maneuvers. Mothering. Sorry. Well, mothering. no, that's no, no, no. That's oh. not that, that's not canon. I, I tried to make it canon. Now that I tried to make canon, see <laughs> yeah. that would have that would have been great. But no, yes, she's right. giving oh, mother. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's like an attempt to revisit the stories of uh, of some historically maligned women. What is your underlying goal in this? And what for you is the value in kind of going back to these stories and taking a second look? So for Medusa, that one, um, that's something I always felt. Because I'm like, damn, how, she, how did she get cursed for just kind of being a bad bitch? Like, that's not really fair, <laughs> right? Um, so, and okay. she went out of her way to hide in a cave and men were still so preoccupied with bothering her. Yes, you, leave her alone. I don't yeah. think it's her fault that she turned you to stone. She hid from you. Yes. And that's kind of how, like, you, you and build her up to be this monster. And that's the way that she kind of had to navigate the world. So with Medusa, it was just really important for me to, again, since we're dealing in fiction or whatever anyway, and we're on Paradise Island. We're on this island where these women who have fallen in man's world have been granted new life and they've been blessed by the gods. This is also a woman who fell in man's world, but was condemned by the gods. So what are we saying here? Like that we're picking and choosing and that's not really cool. So in a way to kind of challenge the ideals of the mascara and what it represents and what it means to be an Amazon and um, all of that, I thought it was important to kind of revisit Medusa and say, so if given the chance would you choose this because you weren't given a choice um would you choose this and nubia kind of gives her the choice because nubia actually takes the time uh, because she has the power to do so to see things from medusa's perspective so that was important for me to kind of address that and then two i also felt that was a great way to kind of show how nubia is different as a leader compared to hippolyta or diana or anyone like this is the choice that she makes because she would know better than anyone because she has unfortunately also been the person who has been kind of like this um this guard for mm. doomsday like um you're um wow i watched too much scared straight because i was gonna give a prison <laughs> reference but or we used to watch too much of that but she she would have a better understanding of that and then as far as modem was concerned I mean, if uh, Modom or Modoc, I should say, gets to, um, you know, come back and be his crazy self, then why doesn't she have to just be the one that's still dead? Let's bring her back. And throughout history or throughout her very lengthy but also short comic history, she never really had a concrete one. Um, First, she was mistaken for being Hank Pym's lost wife and whatever he has going on with his different marriages. Um, <laughs> she was thought to be like this long lost uh, Soviet uh, union or a Soviet spy or something like that. And I'm like, okay, sure, I guess. Um, but she's always been programmed and controlled. So I was like, well, let me give her a little bit more autonomy um, and that her own 
experiment unfortunately was used against her and could she still turn back evil absolutely but for the sake of the story i was like let me just give her a moment to maybe do right but you know it's modan aggressive mothering so she's gonna go (laughs) yeah she was giving mother in the way modok could never you know (laughs) yeah the the issue you have revisiting her history was just wild because you're just like oh man i've you know, you sometimes, if you don't step back, you forget how crazy comics are with characters. Like, yeah. all this and happened to I, her, like, in a month, I think. Yeah, it was like, leave this poor back woman to alone. Back to back. Yeah, so <laughs> I was like, you know what, let's, everybody else is getting redeemed. Because that, so funny story, Um, I think it was for, I think it was a Spider-Man story I was working on or something for um, Unlimited, I think. Spider-Man or somebody I don't know spider I don't know but I was like hey what no it was not that it was for <laughs> I guess a thing that we're never going to see the light of day and that's Ironheart so it's an Ironheart series that I was working on that oh. I don't think we're ever going to get oh. um yeah and it was, oh. I was I was having a really great time with it and uh so for the very first villain that she faces um I was like, hey, can I use so-and-so? And I was told, no, because they've been like retcon. Now they're like, they're a hero now. And then I listed like four other people. They're also heroes. And I was like, damn, is everybody like, <laughs> do we have any true villains anymore? And the answer kind of was no. Those Krakoa is- rules, they really went all like, but they've yeah. been all over the place. Yeah. I know, like, give me your mustache twirling. I'm evil just to be evil because I woke up and I said, you know what? Screw everyone. I'm going to make everybody's day. Some people are evil. Too. I love that uh, as the the poem at the on the tablet for the evil lady, lady of liberty. <laughs> Bring me your scraggly ass janky jerks who are just evil and up to no good. Yeah. <laughs> Get, get bring that back i i want more of that um uh, so so yeah so even like even with me kind of retconning myself um modem i was like don't no, no, don't get it twisted she might be good <laughs> she, could she, again, yeah. she, she could turn again but right now um you know she's gonna step into owning this company and hey money keeps well, well i was gonna say money sometimes keeps folks from being evil but never mind because look at the app formerly known as twitter Yes, which we won't speak on. (laughs) Yeah. All right, right, let's move into a speed round, Ryan. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. So we are just, um, we're going to just name something. You just tell us your favorite. It could be. Or one of of your favorite. It doesn't have to be. One of your favorite. It doesn't have to be anything. So favorite superhero. Let's just keep it real broad. Uh, Vixen. Ooh, good choice. Um, uh, uh, Favorite comic of all time. Spider-Man Annual 16. That is Monica Rambeau's origin. It focuses all on her. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I love it. Uh, feel free to elaborate on any of these. Um, a favorite book? I know it's tough. One of your favorites. Okay. Um, <laughs> crap. Um, feel I'm going to say... <laughs> no, no, no. Um, it's uh it's alien uh out of the shadows it's so alien has like a whole like the alien universe has like a whole bunch of novels or whatever but it's out of the shadows and i will expand on this just a little bit because it's a story of what happened from ripley from alien 
to alien so there's a little in between space they made a story and man my girl can catch a break <laughs> i mean alien alien out of the shadows sounds like the tell-all book that the alien Ooh. writes Ooh. Yeah, it's like sexy. Yeah. It's like alien now you, yeah. Well, you joke, but um, there's a book in that trilogy where you find out that the aliens, um, like they pass hatred down in their DNA. So this alien who ran into Ripley, because they hate Ripley, the xenomorphs do. Yeah. Um, and her ancestor, like 200 years from now, like people have special. Tele- tele- telepathy or whatever and yeah. he runs into like this one of these alien these xenomorphs or whatever and they hate him because it has been passed down in their dna which i think is the best thing yeah. ever that's yeah. great yeah okay sorry go keep no going. i love it um fa- uh one of your favorite musician or albums Ooh, yes um that would be uh right now uh shaylia's facets nice um uh favorite food just keep it simple What's it? Italian beef, which I have not had oh. because I don't live in Chicago. I've never said that, but I love that answer. Yeah. Big the bear vibes. Yeah. yeah I love it. Um, well, I was gonna ask you your favorite sci-fi, but let's say what's your, one of your favorite fantasy stories since you're you're a big alien fan. Um, ooh, that is gonna be Cersei by Madeline Miller. Um, yeah, that was what made me say, you know what? I, think I do like fantasy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Change the game. Um, a favorite Pokemon? Charizard. Some basic. <laughs> no, great answer. <laughs> yeah. Some yeah, of the classics still work. You pick, you pick a good solid. Like, that's a great starting Pokemon. And one that I added at the end because I need to. What's your favorite housewife? Phaedra, but don't judge me. <sighs> it's only because she's recently been on Married to Medicine. I know. It's good too, just, right? Yeah. And she was a great addition to that. She was, yeah. It was yeah. always good, but it's going to elevate that show. I'm so excited. But I think second will probably be Candace, but that's only because her confessionals are also very funny. Um, yeah, she's she cuts the girls up all the time. She really does. Well, Stephanie, <laughs> thank you so much for being on. Um, is there anything you'd like to plug? No, I'm just, I'm sorry to leave you all. I had such a great time. So please invite <laughs> me back. Of course. Um, but what do I want to plug? Um, so if you haven't bought Strange and Unsung All Stars of the DC Universe, buy it. seriously, please. Buy that it's so good. It's, it's a fun read if you just want to pop it open too. It's like oh, so thank fun. You. Thank you. <laughs> um, that please check out Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, uh, Wreck and Roll. I had so much fun writing a graphic novel, and ooh, there are things that I would like to sh- share, but I cannot because I can't at the moment. But solicits pay attention to whatever solicits come out in january and february i think that's where the thing that i want to yell about will be announced um but that's that's it i think oh and if you haven't watched scavengers reign just a plug that i have nothing to do with i love watching fully in on scavengers Reign. yeah okay it's so good that art is so great i love it's so captivating yeah Someone was describing it and they used the phrase cozy horror. And I never felt more connected to a phrase. 100%. Yeah. Um, So where can our listeners find you? Uh, You can find me on the interweb. So at formerly known as Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Steph underscore I underscore Will. Um, I might have a newsletter soon and I will post how to sign up for that uh, on all of those platforms. So yeah, that's, that's where you can find me. You're so funny online. It's Thank so good. <laughs> I love it all. 
So as for us, uh, we're on Twitter at X and Instagram at Podcast. You can catch our regular episodes every single Friday. Uh, we also have tons of other great extra content, interviews, reviews of the Marvels and other biz that's out there. Um, if there are any other great writers, artists, or fun queers you'd like to hear us chat with, slide into our DMs. We uh, respond. Uh, we've been Homo Superior. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.